See, and that's what happens. Happy Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. We're starting to get good at this, guys. We're starting yeah. to. It only took 50-something days. Uh, if anybody's asking for Jimmy, Jimmy, wave and say hello. Where is he? He's, he's, he's still kicking. He's still kicking. He's still there. There he is. <laughs> Hi, Jimmy. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to... Are you going to try your intro? Push it up. You can do one of those. Crush, crush, I can't reach crush. yet. I have to wait for him to... Crush. I got to wait for him to come this way. We can crush him. <laughs> oh. There he is. There he is. On my watch. Oh, I, I just moved him. Look. Gone. <laughs> should have scooted him. Uh, There's a new thing on my watch party. What's the new thing now? And it's like voice activated. It's oh, yeah. Look. A, do you have that? I do, too. Uh, it's closed captioning, and I bet you it's not right. That's gonna be. That's actually going to be fun. So it's showing us on our watch party. I don't know if this show. It doesn't show on the stream, but it's showing here uh, closed captioning. Oh, maybe because we put the vo now we're muted. So when you mute it, it now comes up. That's a new feature. Oh, okay. Well, there it is. I want to go back and watch this muted to see how well the closed <laughs> captioning did, especially with our New York accents. Um, and it's already wrong, which is actually pretty funny. Okay. Anyway, well, well welcome to Live from Rabs. Hi, everybody. From Inside Rabs Country Lanes. Inside. Episode 46, day 51 of the quarantine. Uh. Um, welcome to the show. Yeah. Uh, Are we in a better mood today? I was in a good mood yesterday, too. I shouldn't say better mood. Um, are you sober today? I'm sober today. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, we hope you all had a great Cinco de Mayo. Uh, it was certainly adventurous for, for many people. And uh, as adventurous as it could be, many people celebrated. Uh, that wouldn't have celebrated, including us in the Wilkinson household. We don't do Cinco de Mayo just because I'm never home. Correct. So, so maybe, they, maybe they're doing Cinco de Mayo and you don't know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, if, if, to, to order Mexican food is a struggle in my house because they just they just don't like it. it spicy right. food is a struggle. Right. I so, don't uh, I don't normally like. And people think this is strange. I don't like really spicy food either, but I I like tacos. I don't mind rice. Well, because it's not spicy and, until you uh, add spice to it. Right, and <laughs> I can keep it as low key as I want. So yes. Well, we made fajitas. I, I did skirt steaks on the barbecue, cut them up nice. We did shrimp, so we had an option. Peppers and onions. Shrimp on the bobby. Shrimp on the bobby. Um, guacamole. I cheated. I didn't make guacamole. Uh, but you know that uh, we got the guacamole from Costco. The, the indiv they were the individual things. They're the organic. They're I really have that good. old. I have that in my fridge. At, at this surprisingly, they were good. Oh, you know what? To also, today is Naz Naz. What is today? Today. It's hump day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't miss that commercial. You know, no, I like I like all those Geico commercials. Yeah, you, it was fun if you would just see it occasionally, but it was just they, then they killed it after after time after time after time. I think my favorite one very repetitive. Besides the pig, oh we <laughs> those are my pig wheel yes. The caveman, the caveman in the airport. The cave. You know why? Because those, to me, those were uh, those were visually funny, and they were uh, sarcastic. So I kind of like that yeah. kind of humor. I like sarcastic humor. So and you know, it wasn't totally obvious. It was you know, 
I like that too. Yes. The caveman ones were funny. And the music, the music work, the elevator music. Yeah. Michael, you didn't really, uh, uh, I don't, I think Michael was, I, we have now moved into the way of Michael and Jimmy. The work And we zone. apologize. But today, so Sunday is Michael's birthday. So we should, I think from now until then, we should be wishing Michael a happy birthday. Happy so, birthday, happy Michael Piero. Birthday, Michael. Uh, early birthday. What's that? What's today? Oh, it's Friday. I'm sorry. I have no clue. Yeah. His birthday is Friday. So, yeah, Friday. <laughs> Somebody said, Kenny Soto said, I saw a Smurf walking behind you carrying a large stick. <laughs> yes. His hair. Did you redye it? No, it's green. Yeah, it's, it's starting to be green. So after quarantine, if he gets it dyed in between, you might see it. Uh, but we'll, we'll start Brilliant. taking bets on what color his hair is by the, by the end of quarantine. We started the quarantine because he was blonde then. Right? Right right when we started? Blue. Yeah. Oh, we started blue. Right, right. Yes. Anyway. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, we've been, so as you know, this is our 25th anniversary here at Country Lanes. Uh, I mean, for for my family, this is anniversary number 40 or something for Jimmy. 41. 41 for Jimmy. And a few years less for me, right? I got here... <laughs> I got here a few years after you were here. You were here in 75? Yeah, we didn't open until 76. Are you kidding me? Yeah, 70, 78 was with the, 79 of April. So you were here in 79. So I was probably You were here. still bowling in the junior league here. Right? <laughs> no, Jim. We are the same age, Jimmy. Um. No, so I probably got here about four yeah, years about after 64. that. It was about four years after Jimmy. So we're, we're just going to keep celebrating. Oh, yeah. I, we're going to keep celebrating. So anyway, so uh, we've been sharing some old photos. Uh, the inspiration for today's photos actually just came up because I got an email alert. So uh, from Google, Google, Google Alerts. <laughs> Are you okay, Frank? Yeah. Okay. Are you sober? Backs, backslash Google. Got the backslash. backslash Google alerts. All right, Google alerts. Uh, anytime we appear in the press or uh, our names, the business, and so we we got I got a notification. I happened to be from CNN, and one of their writers must have updated a photo album. So back in this goes this isn't that long ago. I mean it's long enough, but this goes back to 2005, the day before election day. So it was a Monday night here at Rab's Country Lanes. I remember. And we had a special vividly. visit from uh, our mayor, the incumbent, who was uh, running for re-election the second time, which could have been the final time until he changed the rules, but that's a different story. Uh, so this was Mayor Mike uh, visiting Rab's, which many politicians do on their uh, throughout the country. They visit bowling centers because they can meet a lot of people. Um, and so this photo was from the Staten Island Advance, and this one appeared... Uh, on CNN.com, uh, so the photo album was updated with a bunch of different photos, including some, of course, from his presidential bid. Uh, but check that, check out that form. Not bad for a uh, uh, short mayor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he did, he did all right. Uh, I will, re I do remember this this evening. Uh, I remember. Uh, it was Monday night, and the ladies weren't really happy, happy having having this. They were not very well, they, welcoming they, to this. They don't like evening. things that uh, interrupt the flow of how they do things. No, they're used to having Monday nights. It was their night. They were I going to the ladies classically was fine. 
the the other ladies leave. Why is it always next to us? It's you know, it's right. one of those things. I'm pretty sure Greta might have not been happy about that one either that that evening. Uh, <laughs> no, no, here no, she comes. Right That's there. why I said it out loud. Uh, but anyways, he came to the visit the day before election day, and of course uh, he had one uh, the next day, and then you know you know the history there. But I thought those were pretty cool photos. Uh, if you haven't seen those before, they're probably updating things because now they're gonna uh, they're gonna start to pound them a little bit about the uh, the tracing program that is coming up with. And we're not gonna discuss politics. We're just gonna yeah, leave no, it there. Yeah, I listen. If anybody could put their money where their mouth is, I commend them. Yeah. And I commend them. And I think if they truly want, can do some help, go for it. Okay. And you know, the Bill, Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates get a lot of a lot of flack. A lot of flack. However, um, what many people don't know through their foundation work, he is a Rotarian, and one of the things that they do they do do with Rotary is fund the, pol the, the, pol the polio pol love, polio yeah. eradication. Yeah. So the End Polio Now campaign has went into existence to yeah. eradicate polio, and really. The campaign at this point is we're this close. And it's because of the work that Rotary International does along with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yes. And a lot of the work that they've done and the money that they've donated uh, over the years has helped. And so there's a lot that we can learn just from polio vaccines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and how it affects other vaccines and medicine in general. And, you know, I, I listen, I commend them for putting themselves out there mm -hmm. because they could very quietly collect their paychecks and sit back on an island somewhere and just, you know, not be involved and put themselves out into public view. But, you know, every, like every good deed, uh, somebody normally has something negative to say. Yeah. And because of, so because of that work, uh, when Ebola, when the Ebola crisis happens, they use the same steps for eradication of, uh, of Ebola that they did for polio, which was pretty cool. So, yeah. It, not the same type of, we're not talking about the same type of situation, right. but I mean, they are out there, they're doing their thing and yeah. I commend them. And, and there are lots with, of with this current learn. situation, the, right. you know, he's involved uh, with that too. I don't know what the after effects from yesterday are, but uh, yeah, there could be a lot of those. Oh, bit. stumbling. Uh, I'm not a big uh, margarita drinker. Yeah, me neither. But uh, I, I had my bottle of uh, sangria. Bottle? I didn't have a bottle. I had it out. You didn't oh, let me, oh. it was out on my counter and I did have a, Small half a glass. Went home. I made I, margaritas. I had a lot to do. So I had one. And then we moved to wine. Yeah. But then, of course, you know how the night ends. You have to finish with more tequila. Oh, well, you don't have to because I didn't. No, you have to. <laughs> we had one of the, the 1921, those, the cream tequilas somebody had brought to our oh, house. Oh, yeah. they're good. Uh, Marco, actually. It was a bottle that Marco had brought over. Cream uh, tequila. From when they, went on, when they went up to Mexico. Oh, my God. Yes. Delicious. It wasn't open. We we're ready I'm to crack it open. That out. It's like a, it's kind of like the Patron, but a little. Right, uh, cream. I like a Bailey's, but it's right. It's I, good. I know what you're saying. I'm Delicious. Anyway, like uh, tequila, fajitas. Now that that's over, here we are, May sixth, day fifty-one. What else is there to say? <laughs> uh, well, we got a great here. show. We have a, spe a special guest with us today. Uh, it's John Mark, the editor of Bowler's Journal International, and you know, the this. New York theme, fellow New Yorker theme, is going to actually extend through the weekend and the beginning of next week. Yeah, uh, and it, it's it's it, it just happens that way. So, a lot of Brooklyn 
conversations are going to be happening, yeah. which is not a bad thing. And not bad. Joe Cal will be back, and uh, it, it's going to happen now, and then it's going to continue to happen. But let's bring John Mark in. Uh, John Mark, how are you? Hi, John hey. Mark. It's good, good to see you guys. How are you? We're doing all right. Well, we know you're not uh, here in New York. Uh, sadly not. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it truly sadly not? Come on. Uh, it, 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 I, let's oh. just say that uh, uh, Florida requires a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's the second New York, right? Yeah, yeah. Tampa Bay, um, the Tampa Bay area can sometimes feel like the sixth borough. It's true. Um, we have a uh, there's a great Italian um, sort of deli sandwich shop here uh, called Mazzaro's, where I go there like on an almost daily basis to get my fresh ball of mozzarella. You can't find that uh, anywhere outside of Brooklyn, really, you know, and I hear a lot of New York accents in that place. And so it, it kind of makes me feel at home for a few minutes, which I appreciate. And you really have, you are now a Floridian because you're calling it mozzarella. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, earlier in the, in this series, uh, somebody from Tampa, same conversation, uh, said the same exact thing about Tampa. I oh, might have been who, who uh, else is living down there that uh, mentioned that uh, as well. Uh, Pedro, I think, was near Tampa. No, he's a uh, he was, it was uh, somebody in New York. Anyway, yeah, it somebody. doesn't really matter. Uh, but welcome and hey, how how are you holding up? How are things uh, by you? We're good. Uh, really grateful. You know, things certainly could have been worse for us. Uh, we're all well. Um, we, my wife and I, are about ready to claw out our eyeballs after a couple of months of homeschooling our six-year-old. However, that's been quite the experience, um, quite the challenge, and uh, it gives us a new appreciation for what our our uh, her kindergarten teacher was going through on a daily basis, which, as we now understand, was. At times, a brutal experience. <laughs> so that's been that's been quite the journey. <laughs> a very new appreciation for our teachers. I think huh? this would Indeed. be a good time for teachers to enter a contract negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> probably get whatever yeah, they that's need. True. Yeah, <laughs> they talk about leverage, right? Yeah, oh yeah. 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 Uh, however, fellow te the teachers that are in, in watching us today, uh, and you could probably attest this: those contract negotiations don't always go so well. They mm -hmm. don't. I mean, they <laughs> have all the leverage right now. They have all of it. They, they have all the yeah. power. They certainly do. Hey, we had an opportunity to talk last week uh, as you were interviewing proprietors. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> this situation is called many different things. But Naz, what do we call this situation here in New York? The shit that's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's exactly what we're what's happening. So, uh, and from so you're working on. Uh, this can't be an easy time for print media, which we have a, a weekly check-in with uh, with our food editor from our local paper, and it's something that we talk about constantly. Uh, so, from your perspective, you know what's going on at Bowler's Journal. Uh, I, I we did receive this month's copy, and you know, in, in your in the in your note, uh, you guys specific you specifically talk about how it's it's light uh, because yeah. of advertising and and content. So, what's what's going on? Yeah, well, the situation at Bowler's Journal and, and throughout Luby Publishing uh, reflects uh, what has happened to the media landscape uh, nationally, uh, Frank, where you have had ad postponements, ad cancellations. Companies are trying to uh, claw back costs wherever possible at a time when everyone's having to tighten their belt due to the unforeseen, uh, un totally unforeseeable circumstances that we face economically. Uh, small businesses throughout the country in particular are hard hit. Um, as you know, Frank, the PPP loan can only go so far. Uh, yeah, you gotta, that's another thing you gotta have a sense of humor about. Um, 
And so, yes, it's it's a lighter issue um, as a result uh, of, of ad postponements that have uh, occurred in response to this pandemic. Um, at the same time, however, I do think that as terrible as this pandemic has been, and as difficult to blow as it is dealt to the bowling industry specifically, it has enabled us, uh, Bob Johnson and, and myself particularly, um, to really tap into some storytelling that transcends the sport. Um, that's an opportunity that I am always looking at, uh, looking to seize as editor of this magazine, and it's one that really was brought to us by this pandemic. Uh, more specifically, you know, you held up the cover uh, of the current issue, Frank, and uh, one thing that I'm I'm really proud of is. That shot of Kim Adler, uh, nurse practitioner down here in Florida, 16-time PWBA tour titleist, was snapped by her eight-year-old daughter, Emma, and made wow. the cover of the issue. How cool is that? Um, it's a really nice shot. Yeah. I just got it. We just got it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So that story, um, you know, Kim, I, I talked with Kim about you know, what it's been like uh, to to battle this pandemic on the front lines as a nurse practitioner. Erin um, um, McCarthy, uh, also, as you know, is a registered nurse in the Omaha area, another PWBA champion. Brenda Mack, P PWBA champion, wife of Storm Ball Rep, Tim Mack, uh, former collegiate standout. She's a registered nurse in Indianapolis. And all of them gave us, at times, some pretty stark and, and at times kind of shocking um, sort of reality checks as to what nurses and doctors are facing throughout the country, uh, even now uh, with this pandemic. Uh, and that's the kind of storytelling that I'm, I'm, I'm proud to present to our readers. Um, it's an opportunity that was enabled by this pandemic, again, terrible as it has been. Um, and I really appreciate the three of them in particular uh, coming forward and, and giving us a glimpse of, of what it's like to, to be in their shoes at a time of, of, as I mentioned, you know, an unforeseeable medical crisis that uh, their jobs put them in position to to battle of, in a very direct way. Yeah, and it, it, it's a great because it's it's an at home perspective. These are fellow bowlers; they're people in our industry, so it's it's nice to see those stories. And Aaron, and Aaron specifically, uh, when bowling out on tour and 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 competing, uh, this is something that she's she's battled and talked about her career as a nurse and yeah. and moving forward and and trying to balance. Hey, am I going to go out and bowl all the time, or right. am I? I going to truly focus on and she's been focusing I, I have the story i read the story and it's great and it's 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 nice to see uh to hear these stories at the same time it's troubling because of of what we're going through <laughs> what we're going through all that yeah. shit going on around us yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no doubt and, and look that's 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 the sort of uncomfortable boundary that we've had to uh, negotiate here at boulders journal I, I there isn't necessarily a lot about the kind of reporting we're doing right now that's that's uplifting you know um it, it's it look this is a difficult situation no one can confidently say that they know what the outcome is going to be uh, for this industry or any other um but i can say that one prevailing notion I've encountered, as I've, uh, as you mentioned, Frank, uh, interviewed uh, a lot of proprietors at this point, um, is a sense that uh, people are going to be cooped up in their houses for so long that when they do have the opportunity safely to to come back into the bowling center, uh, they're going to want to seize that opportunity. Uh, Kevin Cross, I love the way he put it uh, in a different story in this issue. Uh, he was um, reminding us that bowling really is the original social network. Uh, you know, bowling centers are the original uh, gathering places, the places that brought communities and people together. Um, and I think that being deprived of that community gathering place now for months on end is going to serve as a reminder to people of just how much they appreciated 
the presence of those establishments in their communities. And I do think that um, when it's determined that we safely can do so, uh, people are therefore going to be going back to those community gathering places, bowling centers chiefly among them, uh, with a refreshed perspective and a renewed gratitude maybe um, for the availability of those, those kinds of businesses and experiences in their communities. You know, now that you say that, um, when uh, we knew this was coming and we knew what we had to do, Frankie and I talked about, uh, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not only important to the community, having the community here is important to us, too. Absolutely. Just being connected to uh, yeah. people. And the fact that we're really popular, I would think, in, in, in our community and beyond is kind of a testament to that, that people are still looking to connect yeah. um, through, uh, you know, through their friendships and, uh, you know, people that they know here. Absolutely. Um, like, and, and I remember that going back to my childhood, uh, you know, I, I remember the days in the late 80s, early 90s, when my father uh, in the summer would drop me off at Leemark Lanes in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn uh, for the whole day and, and just head, head off to his job. And I would be taken care of. People knew me by my first name. It was like I had my second parents in the bowling center. I was there all day long. I loved every minute of it. I'll never forget those times. Um, and it, that's the kind of welcoming environment that people encounter in bowling centers. Uh, you know, Melody Lanes and Maple Lanes were two other places that I frequented uh, back then. I certainly bowled at Rabs uh, when I was a junior bowler in, in the area. Um, so yeah, every one of those places um, for me uh, serves its host of cherished memories from uh, from my time uh, being born and raised uh, in Brooklyn for sure. So uh, all right, so born and raised in Brooklyn, uh, how do you today? How do you find yourself down in Tampa, Florida? Which I know there were many different there were different places in between. So uh, what was the yeah. get up and get out of here? You know, I made the uh, brilliant financial decision of getting a master's degree in the very practicable uh, or practical subject matter of creative writing, Frank. <laughs> and um, once I was done with that in New York City, uh, I ended up basically, um, you know, fleeing New York. Uh, this was only a, a, a couple years after the 9-11 attacks. So as you remember, I'm sure, Frank, the economy still was, was lumbering back to life in the New York City area at that time. Um, so my family had gradually been migrating to Florida. My sister was already here. My father had come down here. Um, and it felt like sort of a safe, um, um, launching, launching pad for, for my, uh, you know, whatever my professional career was going to be. I ended up down here working, uh, first at a library, then at a bookstore, um, and, uh, then getting into teaching for a while. I taught at the university of South Florida. I taught at the university of Tampa. I taught at the College of Central Florida, teaching creative writing, teaching English, freshman composition, American literature, stuff like that. Um, and all the while, I, I, I was thinking, you know, how can I uh, bring together two of my primary passions, creative writing being one of them and being a lifelong bowler, that was the other. And I thought, how can I bring the two of them together? And so um, that's the thought that led me to this opportunity that I've had uh, since 2014 to uh, remotely work for Luby Publishing from down here in Florida, uh, putting my my degree to work in a sense of, of writing uh, and doing so about something that I love and something that I have some expertise in. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. It's it's something that I've, I have very much enjoyed. Yeah. And even and through your work, it always comes back to home. Right. Uh, and, and over the years, uh, you've written, a, you've written a, I've written a lot of great pieces and you spend a lot of time at your a, a, a little bit of a historian, too. Right. So what's the 
Uh, what's the driver? Hey, I want to I want to dive into these stories and learn more because uh, you really there's there's diverse stories that you've written uh, yeah. from action talk about action bowling here in New York City to just this article here about this about the, the climate that we're living in. Yeah, uh, you always bring it home, which I think is which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for saying that, Frank. I always look for the human angle. I look for the transcendent angle. Where's the opportunity for me to transcend the sport while also still producing a story that is in one way or another anchored to bowling? Um, again, this pandemic has, has provided um, uh, that opportunity for us as storytellers here at Luby. Um, Johnny Petraglia comes to mind a few years ago. I got to write a story about uh, Johnny's uh, experience in Vietnam uh, during the Tet Offensive in the late 60s. I took him away from the tour for a couple of years. I, I, I am profoundly grateful for his willingness to open up to me about those experiences, uh, as I am much more recently with uh, the three nurses that uh, opened up about their experiences uh, being on the front lines of this pandemic. That's always top of mind for me, Frank. Uh, where's the human angle? Um, where is a way into the story that is going to matter not just to bowlers, but even potentially to people outside our sport? Because there is, again, a, like a kind of transcendent human angle to it um, that is of universal appeal. You don't have to be a bowler uh, for the story to matter to you. That's what I'm always looking for with every story that I write for Bowler's Journal. So your your book, Pin Action, uh -huh. very interestingly, uh, chronicles some interesting stories about yeah. the history of uh, action bowling. Yeah. Uh, so is that something that you witnessed being in the bowling center or did, or did you hear about it and then go back and research it? Well, uh, the, the era of action bowling that I wrote about is, is primarily from back in the 1960s. I wasn't around uh, much to my dismay to, ex to experience <laughs> that in person. I would have loved to, uh, be in those smoke-filled CD uh, bowling centers after midnight throughout New York City uh, 50 years ago. Uh, that's an era of the sport that is bygone now, um, and and uh, you know that's been a good thing for the sport in a lot of ways. But from my personal perspective, there's a lot of um, nostalgia associated with that too. I would have loved to be able to experience that environment in person. I did get a little taste of it uh, bowl, you know, at Melody Lanes back when I was a kid. Um, after league, they used to stay open quite late. Um, uh -huh. And I got to see some guys bowling uh, sometimes for, for some decent money, uh, very, you know, into the early morning hours. And I met some characters there when I bowled adult leagues at Maple Lanes. Uh, the, the most vivid character I came across was a guy known as snake. I don't know if uh, Frank, you're familiar with him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he was, he was an absolute hoot, uh, uh snake. I, I just, yeah. every, every week he would have you, have you laughing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, guy. I got a little, little taste of it. Um, but nothing like, you know, what Ernie Schlegel and, and Kenny Barber and Richie Hornreich and, and even Johnny Petraglia yeah. and, uh, um, uh, Dewey Blair and, and those types, uh, experienced 50 years ago. Richie Hornreich is another one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great and such great talent that yeah. uh, you know only a few of them were able to make the next step to uh, professional bowling, but yeah. uh, just to watch the whole scene that would go on, it was it was pretty it was pretty funny. It was pretty uh, it was a, it was a riot. I mean, you know, you had Central, you had Gunpost, you had uh, places like that back then that. Uh, you know, it was like a circus atmosphere. You had droves of people in the back betting serious money, especially for that time. I mean, bowling for thousands of bucks a game uh, in 1967 
Uh, I mean, that's serious change back then, you know? Um, so you can imagine just the, the adrenaline that had to have been pumping through the building. Um, just, just incredible. And, and what you say is so true. Uh, you know, Mike Limongello uh, probably stands out uh, with Ernie Schlegel as having had the most successful professional career after action bowling. And, you know, it wasn't just because they didn't necessarily have the talent to do it. Uh, no one will ever convince me that Richie Hornwright didn't have the talent to win and double digit titles on on the PBA tour Absolutely. the problem was it just it just wasn't it was yeah it just, it was too much downtime for those guys they wanted action they wanted to bowl head to head with the money on the score score table you know let's do it right now uh, and instead you know Richie is trying to bowl you know one qualifying block after another's got all this downtime in between nothing really to do with it um that wasn't appealing to him in fact one of the funniest stories about Richie is how uh, some sponsor gave him 13 checks to cover each of the 13 uh, tour stops that were coming up, I think, on the full tour at that time. And um, he ended up uh, using all of them to uh, to gamble. I think he brought all of them to uh, – because the first stop happened to be in Vegas that season, of all people, right? Uh, so Richie's in Vegas bowling the first tour stop with 13 weeks' worth of checks on his hands. Uh, what do you think he did with those? you think he uh, – he entered tournaments with those. Uh, I don't think so. You know, so uh, one of my favorite stories about uh, about Richie. It's a different to, to that point. It's a different and it's a different mindset. And I've heard. Listen, I've been around these guys and and later later in life and yeah. hearing the stories. I would have loved to, to your point, been in the bowling center and seen that. I've seen some action, but it's not anything close to yeah. it. But yeah. the stories my father and my uncle would tell us. Uh, even the guys like Billy Horner, the stories that they would share, uh, you just can't, you can't duplicate them. You can't make them up. But to your point, these guys were gamblers. They were not, right. so you know, they didn't want to go out and bowl professionally. Right. This was, they're driven by right. what, what's happening around Right. Them. And for them, and like, even like you said, to bowl a long block of games, just to be able to yeah. feel that juice for that amount of time is yeah. difficult. They were like, yeah. well, let's do this now. One game. Whatever it was, yeah. their yeah, adrenaline also came from the guys yeah. behind them <laughs> yeah. gambling on them, right? Yeah. Throwing money and gambling on them, so it totally atmosphere. Uh, and for for a career, I mean, that was a that that was a career for these guys. Yeah. They talk about it like how much money they made. Screw my job. This is what I did at night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and sometimes it was also yeah. Oh, you broke up there. Uh, give us, give us that What's again, that, Frank. You broke up you there. Broke up. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I, I, in in some cases it wasn't, you know, I think one thing that Mike Lemangelo told me was he didn't necessarily care uh, how much money he won or lost. He just wanted to thrive off of the adrenaline of of bowling for a lot of money. He didn't care if he ended up penniless by the end of the night. It was just fun for him to have experienced the action itself. Absolutely. Yeah, and then so you mentioned Bob Perry's name. Bob wrote a book, uh, Redemption Alley, yes. I believe Redemption yes. Alley. And uh, he talks a little bit about yeah. He had a lot of, uh, he faced other a issues. lot yes. of other issues, uh, but he talks exactly about the stories yeah. and what happened yeah. and why he was driven yeah. to go do what he was doing. Yeah. And in his time, he was fearless and pretty, and he, uh, there were many, many people that oh, said sure. he could have been uh, on, in the top bowlers on the PBA tour, but it just not wasn't his thing. It wasn't couldn't get his mind around that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, hey, yeah. So, of all these guys and these stories that you've told, what has been your favorite, favorite. 
to write and tell. Uh, one of my favorite stories is the night at Gunpost uh, when uh, the cops got wind of the fact that uh, people were gambling inside after after dark, some of whom were, were underage. Um, and one night they staged a raid on Gunpost, cleaned the place out. And in fact, uh, one of the kids who was keeping score, um, his, he was handcuffed to the score, score table. This was at a time of, of manual scoring and removed from the premises going on uh so the cops removed that kid that way and cleaned the place out after after dark um so stuff you know incidents like that are uh, are priceless and i'll never forget those stories wow that's, that's I, a good one that's a good one I, although i don't know if we should be we should be really sharing those <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and the characters so and each one of these guys had just their character in themselves. And so if you had to pick one of these guys as a character to tell their story or write about, uh, who is your favorite, uh, so to speak? Uh, definitely Kenny Barber. Uh, I mean, or look, Ernie, I don't need to tell you what a character Ernie is, so that goes without saying. Uh, but aside from Ernie Schlegel, uh, I would say Kenny Barber. Um, what, again, one of the funniest uh, stories I was told when I was uh, researching Kenny and uh, before his passing, when I had time to spend time with Kenny directly, um, was a, a, a buddy of his who uh, looked at me from across the table and almost all of a sudden got very serious about uh, talking about some particular talent that Kenny Barber had. Um, and, and he looked so serious. I was like, man, I, you know, this must have been really something, uh, some profound uh, talent that Kenny had. And he goes, you, you, you know what Kenny can do, right? And I said, what, 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 what? He goes, he could lick his own eyebrows. I said, really? <laughs> okay. All right, that's interesting. Uh, and uh, and Kenny, uh, of course, went on and on about uh, about you know his performance of that particular talent. He was a phenomenal impersonator of Rodney Dangerfield as well. I remember one time, uh, maybe about ten years ago, uh, bringing him into a pro shot that at the time Larry Lichtenstein had down in the Cape Coral, Florida area. And uh, of course, the first thing he did uh, with Larry and Ricky Ward, who was Larry's assistant, uh, old uh, you know from the early '90s, Ricky Ward, PBA Tour champion. Uh, launched into this incredible Rodney Dangerfield uh, performance uh, that, again, I'll never forget. Um, you know, he would, uh, when I first met him, he had uh, like a jumpsuit on with all of these glittering silver and gold chains around his neck, uh, the, uh, like a handful of rings, thick rings around his fingers, and a total gambler. One of the places I met him at, of course, was at the uh, Hard Rock Cafe here in Tampa, um, where I have to say he tried to talk me into skipping out on the meal we had, which I did not do. I'll have you know, uh, but, but that was just that was just Kenny. You know, everything had to be a con with Kenny, um, as it was with with a lot of these guys. So uh, Kenny was a character uh, uh, to never be forgotten. We make them sound like thieves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I thought was kind of paradoxical about them was that as 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 much as they were, a lot of these guys were gentlemen you know they yeah. weren't disrespectful they weren't you know if there were women around they would be yelling at other guys watch your mouth there's women yeah. here so it was kind of it was kind of a, a strange uh and snake you mentioned snake funny yeah. funny guy very oh, funny snake was hilarious um and i agree with that uh, you know a, a guy like ernie schlegel ha has a very rough exterior and uh for his, the first impression that ernie makes on people honestly may not always be the most pleasant uh, but but the thing is, when you get to know Ernie, 
you see that this man has a heart of gold. He has one of the biggest hearts I, I know. He is uh, 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 on the inside. Ernie is a total softy, a very uh, deeply caring person who has done incredible things for youth bowlers in his area as a coach. Uh, he has helped youth bowlers with uh, with uh, uh, potentially terminal illnesses, uh, uh, kids who've had uh, uh, heart surgeries at very young ages. I've seen him weep over the plight of some of the children that he is, is encountered with certain conditions uh, through bowling. Um, so, you know, Ernie's one of those guys. And, and I, I know that, I mean, we know what kind of a man uh, Johnny Petraglia is. And I think he exemplifies the kind of personality that you just described. And, and that by and large was true of this generation of, uh, of folks. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you as a junior bowler, uh, tell us a little bit about you as a junior bowler. Uh, well, I uh, I spent a lot of time bowling at Leemark and Maple and Melody. Those were my chief houses uh, in in and around uh, the New York City area. Um, I went to Zaverian High School on Shore Road in Bay Ridge, where I bowled uh, alongside Mike Mastriani, who was one of my teammates, whose uh, son doing oh, amazing things on the lanes now. Uh, Michael Martell, of course, uh, doing really impressive things on tour. Um, I get reports from uh, some friends of mine back in Brooklyn uh, watching him bowl there locally. And and the, the consensus there is that Michael Martell is, is poised for some pretty tremendous feats on the PBA tour. Um, yeah. And his uh, uh, Mike's younger son, of course, has done great things at Junior Gold over the last several years. Um, so quite a stable of talent there. Um, uh, that was that was a great experience bowling for Zaverian for three years, sophomore, junior and senior years, um, bowling all over New York. Uh, against Malloy and and St. John's and and all of these uh, 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 places around there. Um, and then you know af after um, after that, I kind of got into books and writing and still bold. I still bold adult league, uh, but my passion was uh, was with writing. And now, as I said earlier in this conversation, the opportunity to combine those two passions is something that I very much enjoy. Did you ever bowl youth games? I don't think I did. No, I was primarily a, a league and local tournament bowler. It, it just struck me, and he was familiar to me. I'm sure. I mean, if you've known, you know him this all this time, so you know, maybe, maybe uh, through the local, maybe through the local events, maybe. I remember bowling one tournament. Maybe this was one youth games like qualifying event um, at uh, uh, at Showplace in Staten Island, where uh, I believe I lost by a single pin to Chris Dietrichpani. Uh, I was I was doing uh, quite well uh, the first two games and fell apart in the last game. Ran into some transition that got the best of me, and Dietrich Penny uh, uh, skimmed me by a pin and ended up winning the tournament. Um, not a particularly happy memory, but I remember fondly my days bowling. <laughs> and there's another character for you. <laughs> those, those bad memories are so vivid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Who was the bowling coach before you for the youth games? I don't. And as coached the team from '97, '96, '97. No, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember who the. Uh, I can't remember who was before me. Huh. We're oh, think um, Christine. Oh uh, gosh, it'll come to me. Okay. Anyway, uh, so you, you you talk about your book, which we talked about gangsters. I mean, we're talking about gangsters, bowling alley, bowling alley <laughs> gangsters. We can refer to them as. Uh, so you penned this book, which you worked you worked hard on, as you were as you attest to. Uh, is there another piece in the works? Is there a? Is there a? Are there other stories that you didn't get to tell in in that first book? Uh, is or is there another angle or a different type of group of stories that you'd want to tell 
in your next book. If there are any stories that I have left over from from the reporting I did for that book um, that haven't been told, it's because they probably shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, they're yes. probably unmentionable, Frank. So uh, yeah, so I kept those under the table for a reason. Um, and that book was was uh, uh, quite a, a laborious effort. It took five years to complete. I interviewed countless people. Uh, I had hundreds of hours of, of interviews done. Uh, by the time I was at the end of that project. Um, it was a great experience. I'd love to be in a position to do another book. I've been talking with my agent about that actually recently, but man, I've got two small kids at home. I have a demanding job. Um, and now I'm, I'm homeschooling uh, at the same time as all of that. So I, I trying to figure out where the time would be to uh, devote myself to another project, knowing what it takes to complete one. Um, it is a, a work of the imagination in itself. <laughs> hey, you, you, you just never know. For some, this is the perfect opportunity yeah. to, to, to go and write something. Yeah, yeah, this, this is true. Uh, hey, look, we've seen that in bowling, Frank. I mean, this show is an example of that. The live stream you guys are doing with Facebook Live, proliferation of podcasts uh, throughout the industry. Uh, Coley Edison, PBAC, doing her uh, Q&As with various PBA bowlers. The uh, the uh, Stu Williams and Chris Barnes show that they're doing. Um, there's just amazing. As I was talking to Coley on an episode of the Bowlers Journal podcast uh, just within the last week, it's amazing how this again terrible as it is has also brought out um, the the creative capacities of so many people throughout the industry. Um, and that's been one of the positive aspects of this that um, that you can see. Yeah, it's been great. And just just for the record, uh, of the Facebook live shows, we were of the, one of the uh, first. Of the first. <laughs> just just for the record. Good for you. <laughs> uh, so Naz, maybe you and I will be on a future cover of Bowler's Journal. You never know. That's right. <laughs> but it's, it's it's really smart uh, what you guys are doing with this. You know, a lot of the, you mentioned Frank at the top of this conversation that I've been interviewing a lot of proprietors. I have, um, and many of them have told me. That you know, just because doors are closed doesn't mean you need to be close to the community you serve or, or close to the customers that you serve. Keep in touch with them. The technology is there now. Had this happened five or ten years ago, I think it would have been potentially a yeah. much different story. But because it's happening when the technology is available, when we have things like Zoom and Facebook Live, um, there are plenty of opportunities to, in a really creative and imaginative and engaging way, continue to engage with your customer base and with your community more broadly even while your doors are closed. Uh, and that too has been really great to see throughout the industry in the last couple of months. Yeah, yeah it, it really has. And, and even in our own community, I did, a, um, I did a, uh, a webinar with about, I don't know, about 20 other community uh, leaders uh, last week, the week before. And one of the business owners had said, well, I, I don't have a service that I could talk to people about. That actually sounded like a belch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he goes, I don't have a service. I can't do anything. And, and no, we were like, well, wait a second. What do you what, do? What do you do? How could you? And, I mean, if you're a yoga studio, a lot of them have gone virtually and done things like that. And to your point, just stay, just stay in touch. Yeah. You know, communicate, offer your services in some way, shape or form yeah. to stay connected. And that's kind of how this started. Uh, really, for us, for Naz and I to stay connected with our customers, we thought this would be a half hour thing and call it a day. It turned into an hour. And the last week, we've just been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and it's the reception has been has been great. And being able to bring folks in like you and, and the professional bowlers yeah, and absolutely. other people from our community has given people that outlet to ask questions. 
that they might have not had the opportunity to, but just to provide some different content. And that's really what we were we we're just driving to have some fun and, and connect with bowling connect in a different way. Yeah. So uh, we have, I appreciate the sentiment there. That's uh, we're, we're having fun doing it too. Yeah, and I have to say, um, you know, there are a lot of born communicators in our industry, a lot of really interesting characters, uh, people who are not afraid to speak up. And in, in, in and around the New York City area, that's especially true. Uh, you know, going back to my my youth league days, I'm, I was bowling alongside guys like Peter Radioli and Noel Vega, who, uh, you know, are, are, are vocal people. They're not afraid to mix it up with folks. Uh, and that's great. Uh, I, and, and so... The fact that um, you know this is a situation that has has uh, sort of invigorated uh, the the New York City bowling community in the way that it has isn't surprising to me because uh, in and around just the New York City uh, bowling community in in itself there are plenty of people who f for whom you know communication is a, an innate talent um, and so this is sort of tailor made uh, for that whole demographic. Yeah, and and Pete uh, Pete bowls with us on Tuesday nights. He's, a, he's another yeah, good guy. He's, he's, oh, he, and he's a terrific bowler. My gosh. Uh, that soft touch he has as a lefty um, always was a thing I marveled at uh, as a youth bowler up there. He got 300 a few months ago. He shot, yeah, he's <laughs> amazing. I just love that guy. Terrific. Fun to watch. He bowled multiple, and it might be in a row, like weeks in a row. Uh, yeah, I, and, I, and I first met him. Uh, you know, it's funny you bring up the Maple Lanes connection, but I bowled at Maple Lanes uh, for for a little while, and I had met him because he was always around through Nicole and, and through Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's just a super guy, and he's him and his little posse, John and them, from travel every Tuesday night to come bowl from Brooklyn, which has been great. Yeah. You know, there's been a theme here this past week. Uh, baseball has been a theme, and yes. uh, you know, we're a little bummed that we don't have a season. But yeah. I don't I don't know if I know this. Uh, Met or a Yankee fan? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to take some. I'm going to take some heat for this, but um, one thing that uh, that that aligns me with Rob Stone is a, a an abiding passion for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I, I know I'm a big Rays fan. I'm sorry. I know. I know. Uh, but look, uh, I, I can't. I can't wait for baseball to start again after the season we had last year. Um, and when the Yankees come to town, I have to say. I won't necessarily be rooting for the Bronx crew. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, the, the thought process of you leaving and going to Tampa to be close to Yankee spring training certainly <laughs> is the case. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you, know, I, I, you know, I give condolences to us as Met fans, but I give condolences to you, to, to you yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, when I when I was a kid going to school in New York, I went to PS247 in, uh, in uh, near the Bensonhurst uh, uh, area in Brooklyn. And the day the Mets won the World Series in 1986, um, the principal, Mr. Cohen, I still remember his name, canceled classes that morning, brought all the classes down to the auditorium in that building uh, to dance and sing to New York, New York in honor of the Mets World Series win. Um, so that was my first taste of just how transcendent a thing baseball can be um, for, for a city and, and for a nation. Uh, he, oh, see, Kevin, this is terrible. He might as well be a Met fan. Real nice. <laughs> Wait, and I, I have it's, and my condolences more so because you can't go to the, you can't go to a game without Yankee fans being around you, right? No matter. Very true. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. We went there for a, a for a Met. Uh, no, it was a Yankee game. It was a Yankee race game. We happened to be in town. It was Junior Gold. We drove down uh, to to go to go check out a game. I mean that uh, the stadium's ugly, so that doesn't help either. Uh -huh. um, 
But and it was, but it was a great experience. But I couldn't tell the amount of Yankee fans. Yeah, well, um, so and uh, from residents to tell me they're they're there all the because they live there now. So it is interesting. Yeah, it, look, th no doubt. Um, and I have to say, a Tropicana Field is not the most idyllic setting in which to watch professional baseball. I will agree with you there. Um, and always when when the Yankees are in town, uh, at least half the crowd is Yankee fans. And as as people who watch. Rays games, no. That's if there is a crowd at all to begin with. Attendance isn't always the greatest at the Trop. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got a, we got a good question uh, from jo so Joe Laverde was on with us yesterday, and his he uh, he, wrote, he wrote bowling for uh, uh, quite some time. Uh, he talked about his cover story on uh, what's today? Oh, it was Monday. Oh yeah, we didn't have any. It was Monday. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, Monday, no, not no. yesterday, Monday. Just before somebody uh, and he talked about his experience with uh, Mets fantasy camp. He's he was great, and his claim to fame was the cover story on a bowl, Bowlers, Bowlers Digest. Digest. But he's asking uh, who your favorite bowling writer was growing up. Well, it has to be Chuck Pisano. I mean, here's a guy that comes from my backyard, right, um, and has an encyclopedic knowledge of bowling history that no one could match. Um, maybe Dick Evans, when uh, when he was around, uh, could rival it, but. Um, but Pisano uh, was the best man, uh, uh, New York City guy, and uh, a bowling history knowledge uh, rivaled by by no one. Yeah, I, you know, just sitting and having conversations with Chuck, uh, the, the the information that would come yeah. out, yeah, and you could pull out so much. Chuck, slow down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> even in his, in his older age, the same thing. So true. So right to the end, Frank, I had conversations with him, uh, you know, uh, in, in the if a couple of years before his death. And he was still had so much energy, passion and knowledge uh, for the sport. Um, it was it was a thing to marvel at for sure. Yeah, he was uh, he was a special guy. Uh, yeah. uh, friend of my dad's too. He's, uh, he's he is certainly missed. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, th this has been fun, and I uh, we, we we appreciate you dropping in and, and uh, talking with us. My uh, pleasure. It was great. What, what does a uh, business the business landscape is changing rapidly, right? And so, yeah. uh, what do you see? What do you guys see at Luby Publishing for the future of Bowler's Journal and and the pieces that you do publish? Uh, look, it, we're, we're going to fight the good fight here, as is everyone in this industry. Um, there are uh, you know a lot of stories in the current issue, and will be again in the next. Uh, showing examples of ways in which bowling has rebounded from uh, equally unprecedented crises. The Spanish flu in 1918 killed 50 million people worldwide, 675,000 people here in the United States alone 100 years ago when the population wasn't anywhere near approximate to what it is today. So that was a sizable proportion of the population in this country 100 years ago. Bowling bounced back from that. It reeled from that blow and it came back. Bowling's been through the Great Depression. Bowling's been through two world wars. Um, you know, bowling's been through 9-11. Um, and we've bounced back every time. We've been through the financial crisis 11 years ago and bounced back from that. And each time, I think we probably caught ourselves saying, well, this is unprecedented. Well, so is this. So, so were so many of those crises that we've been through. And not once historically has that yet meant that the bowling industry has been crushed. I expect that the same is going to be true this time. History is a guide that is an uplifting and inspiring one, uh, even in, the, in a dark moment like this for the bowling industry. One way or another, we're going to bounce back. We're going to look different. The industry probably is going to contract a little further. Um, not necessarily every bowling center that was open before this is going to be open after this. Um, but bowling in one way or another is going to survive this. That's been the consensus through many interviews that I've done on this topic in, in the last month or so. Um, and I think that it's true. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and, and even even uh, uh, more on the, the 
print publication side, I think it's more prevalent today than it, than yes. it was before. Yes. Certainly, uh, and, you, and you have done a good job. You've been doing a podcast for quite some time and, you know, you ramp it up here and there. And uh, these are things that make this more this more relevant. And so the, the more we can keep in front of our bowlers and, and, and consumers, uh, the, the better we are moving forward. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Frank, look, maybe I'm biased, but but I think the industry needs uh, publications like Bowler's Journal now more than ever. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of information in our magazine now that gives people some clarity as to what to expect going forward in a time when there is so much that is unexpected uh, that we're having to deal with. Um, so I hope we're able to continue serving the bowling industry in that way in the months ahead as we all steer our way through the uncertainty of this together. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Doug yes. Mark, for, for being right. on with us today. Thank uh, you. you. Know, and we'll, uh, continuing with the Brooklyn theme, John Lasfina is going to join us on, on Friday. So <laughs> we're going to talk more Brooklyn bowling, uh, the Bowlers to Veterans link. Uh, Joe Cal, who's from Brooklyn, joins us on Saturday. It's just never going to end here. <laughs> and he's gone. Well, thank you, John Mark. Uh, and uh, keep up keep up the good work. And uh, we'll certainly we'll see him soon. Yeah, uh, that's great. If you don't get if you don't get Bowlers Journal. Um, in, in the mail, you, you certainly could sub subscribe. We do get copies here at the Bowling Center yeah. to share. And, uh, you know, he makes a great point. There, there are always stories to be told. And it's the human interest stories on the pros, what's happening to PBA Tour, our business. Okay. Uh, so keep up the good work. That's yeah, a great magazine. Great. Uh, and, and Ronnie, uh, I don't, John Mark might not be the person to ask the question that you're asking, because uh, that, that, the Olympic question is very deep. Um, <laughs> John Mark's been around writing, writing, and um, from a probably a different perspective, uh, and have been on the staff at, at USBC at one time. Uh, but that's a oof. We could spend hours talking about why bowling can't get into the Olympics, and it's not necessarily that we can't. Um, you know, the, it's just it's a just lot different. of politics involved. Lots of politics involved, uh, but we might save that for another conversation. Uh, it did come up a little bit when we had Chad on the yeah. show. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's a good com conversation. We certainly got, we should have been in the Olympics for 2020. One could argue that they, they chose these other sports over ours. Uh, and the, in this, in the new rules, uh, Tokyo, the, the host city had an opportunity to uh, bring in new sports. Right. And of course a country is going to, a country and a city are going to work together to bring in sports right. that they're going to meddle in. Of course. So did they pick, did they pick sport climbing and surfing over bowling because they felt that they, they felt get stronger in those stronger sports. their athletes because we talked about this with um, with Tanya uh, Romaper in Asia their athletes are held at a high a very a high esteem yeah yeah and so I wonder uh, that certainly played a, played a, a role in that. Um, John Mark apologizes he uh, his laptop just bummed out on him but. Thank you, John Mark, for, for tuning in. We really appreciate you have, yeah. having you on with us. I'd be remiss, uh, my friend Melissa McDaniel was watching. I don't know if you're still watching, but uh, today is her birthday. And happy birthday, Melissa. Oh, happy birthday, Melissa. Uh, the future president of USBC. Oh, uh, USBC had announced that uh, the board held an election, and uh, she was going to be following uh, the current president, Carl Kulik. So congratulations. Good luck to you. Happy yeah, birthday. And I know I'll talk, talk to you later. <laughs> so, uh, yes, a meme of the day. Come on, I got to share the meme of the day. All right, do I, it. The one I have for tomorrow, I've, I have one for tomorrow that I've had now for a week. Oh, but it's it, it's, must it have works to do for tomorrow. Food? Okay. Yeah, it's a food thing. Okay. I was so excited and I forgot it. I'm not singing it. Mike wants me to sing happy birthday. 
I'm not singing it here, but happy Was birthday. that Mike Hannington? Mike Hannington wants me to sing. You could sing. Go ahead, keep singing. Uh, the meme of the day. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the game that makes you emotional. It's that it's same thing. Ten -pin. That lane actually looks slanted, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's the... So, no, because even that... It's the photo. I should have... Piro, yeah. come here. A professional... Hurry up. And a we need a professional opinion. opinion. I don't know. It's something. It's the it's the way that the photo was. It's know. the way the photo was taken. It doesn't look right. Come on, move a little faster. Does that look crooked to you? There's a lot happening here, and that's not the sweep. Or is it the perspective of the picture? Well, the lane? I think it's both. See, um, I'm not the, right, the lane looks like at an angle. I don't want to bowl there. Wherever this is, it's not here. Uh, maybe it was Jim? done purposely. Maybe well, we'll done. show Jim. You got to show Jimmy that one. We'll show Jim. Something, something. But anyway, and I mean, and and when he makes his way down here, no, 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 it's a little bit more than a lens. However, these days it's not that the ten pin, that damn ten pin. It's the fact that it didn't come in first place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes us emotional. Yes, it is. But that is not lane fourteen. <laughs> and if you knew anything about lane fourteen, the problem was up in the front, not the back. Not in the back. Oh my God. Uh, it's not here. It's certainly not here. Here he comes. So we're going to have to show it again. Uh, wait, I don't we know. We don't know. It's a meme. It was a meme that was out in the silly space. And now Jimmy, the professional, is going to come up and look at this again. Uh, Jim, I think it's a we think it's a little bit more than just the camera angle. Oh, yeah. Look at the. <laughs> and see, it's not me. Okay. Thank you. It might have been a setup. If the camera is crooked. The camera's crooked. It would do that. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't believe. What lane is that? What we don't know. I have no clue. They might have been maybe pulling the deck out or something. Maybe they took there's the picture while it was yeah, like that. Maybe they did it on purpose, Jim. Maybe. Things we have to put up with you. All right. Thank you. See, see, we get ourselves in trouble when we ask for yeah. opinions. Sometimes, see, you can't ask for too many opinions. <laughs> And that, and that that is the theme of the day. But the theme of the day, it's the theme of the week. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have a great week coming up. We really do. Today is Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday. And tomorrow's Food Thursday. So our weekly check-in with Pamela Silvestri, uh, who I have to I spoke to her yesterday and today, and she loves coming on our show. And we she love having that. her. We love her. And we do love having her. I listen to her almost every morning to Me get too. the update. Yep, yep. Uh, I usually, sometimes I miss it and I got to go back. I catch it afterwards. Um, yep. Yep. She talked to, uh, today, yesterday was Cinco de Mayo and all these restaurants. Uh, and I'm just saying uh, best wishes to our friends at Sofia's Taqueria. They got, they themselves, got, a hammered. Little, they got a little, themselves a little beat up last night. Uh, they might, they maybe overextended themselves a little bit. Uh, but I know that you guys will rebound and uh, do, do what you can. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the restaurant scene. We've got a few special guests tomorrow, including, uh, and we're talking food. We're talking food. Food only. With our assemblywoman, uh, Nicole Maliotakis, and uh, AM70 radio host, Frank Morano. Uh, both food. foodies. Uh, and Pam thought would be a great addition to our show, so they'll be on for a little bit tomorrow. Wonderful. We'll talk more food, because you guys know that we like to talk food. And we had, <laughs> you know, honestly, we, well, uh, we, we, we have talked. We talk food every day. We talk food every day. <laughs> I, again, it goes back to what are we doing? What right are we now? doing right now? We're eating, <laughs> drinking, uh, and he, I don't know if I've talked about this, but everybody keeps talking about the quarantine, like gaining weight in quarantine. Right. 
I'm sorry. I think it's going to be worse after quarantine because after quarantine, everybody's going to want to go out. You're going to go out to your restaurants. You're going to be more, I think you're going to be more gluttonous because you haven't had something in a while. You know what? I can't think of anything that I haven't had that I haven't been able to have as a takeout. I want to sit at a bar and have a conversation with other people other than That's us. different. That's not eating. <laughs> and while That's you're doing that, you're eating. drinking and you're eating. That's different. Anyway, we're having duck tonight. Whoa, fancy in the Rourke household. It's not one of the ducks you had from your yard, is they it? They didn't have ducks. They had chickens. Hens. Oh, okay. Somebody had ducks. They didn't have ducks. Wait, are those the ducks that you did? You pull them from Fresh Kills? <laughs> are they local ducks? Somebody I posted that ducks. they had ducks and that John they Rohn. needed a bigger bin. bin. John but who was he talking? Oh, was John? I find Dana had Sorry, a, had a duck for a little while. They choose and took one home. I mean, that, the duck was went from this to this. Yeah, they get their ducks. Weeks. Within, within weeks. And Friday? Friday, we, we mentioned uh, we have uh, our good John friends. John Laspina. Uncle John. Uh, John Laspina. Excuse me. Be nice to chat with John. Yeah. See so, how he's uh, coping and what he's doing. And yeah, if he's, uh, I'm sure, is he in Florida? I believe he is here. He's here okay. in I believe he's here in New York. Um, I believe I could be completely wrong. We'll find out when he's with us uh, Friday, but we'll talk a little bit about his role as the chairman of the Bolus to Veterans Link yep. uh, and the work that they do for our veterans. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Brooklyn Bowling, like we did with uh, John Mark, is yeah. you know f famed proprietor of the, the Maple Lanes and Gil Hodges Lanes. Now in Long, now he's got centers in Long Island and, and, and in Florida. Florida. So, and then Saturday, Joe Cal comes back to the studio. Love when Joe is here. It's Pro Bowler Saturday with Timmy Mack, who now has been mentioned several times on the yes. show. Yes. Uh, PBA and world champion, Timmy, Timmy Mack. Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. Timmy. Yeah, we agree. We, we want to be able to sit at a bar and talk with other people. I do. I, I love you all, uh, but it's not the same just texting and yeah. typing. Um, and yes, uh, Joy points out that BVL is great and, yeah. and they really do some great work. And I know, Joy, you and your your group there in Ohio does some, some fantastic work to raise money. Uh, so thank you. Uh, we'll talk with John on, on Friday. And then the, up, the upcoming week is shaping really nicely. And we're going to take a break on Sunday. We are going to take a break on we're Sunday. We're taking a break on Sunday so we can celebrate our moms. Uh, moms. For those that can celebrate their moms. All you mothers. You, mothers. <laughs> all you mothers. <laughs> celebrate oh. all you mothers. And then again, we'll be continuing to do this again. Monday's a big day for me. Monday. I mean, Monday. Just Monday, yes. Just Monday. No, every day is a big day. Every day is a big day here. Monday. All right, so do you want to share Monday? I do want to share. You are like chomping at the bit. Like I'm you chomping, were almost yeah. off your seat. So, so we, this week we had some good, we had some great guests. We have great guests every and day. great guests lined up. Oh, uh, but we're going to kick off the week. With another really special guest. Who's our special guest on Monday, Naz? Our special guest on Monday is the uh, former Met and a part, a former part of the SNY. Wait, it always comes back to base to, to food and the Mets. Just, and just, the, sorry, food and the Mets. The a recurrent theme <laughs> of the SNY analyst team was one of my favorite. Uh, and... Uh, he currently has a podcast that's on hold, I believe, on the post, and it is the one and only Nelson Figgy Figueroa will be joining us here on Monday, and he'll be talking about the Mets and baseball 
and whatever else we want to talk about. If you have a chance, uh, catch his uh, what, his podcast. He's got some really really great guests. Yeah, and um, he's they, he uh, they're very good. It's a very good show, and uh, needless to say, I'm super excited. Naz is making some great friends uh, while <laughs> while we're doing this. And this ex- I'm excited. Uh, it's me. always again food. It comes back to baseball, but it comes back to the Mets, uh, and of course bowling. Yankees so. win. The Yankees win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we didn't get to ask uh, John Mark uh, now with the change in the schedule. I'm just, if he's gonna actually gonna go watch now that he'll have access. Oh, to he'll have some access other, to some of to those watch some games. Of the games is he gonna go out if, if they they're, can? If they're even gonna allow, people right? If they're gonna allow fans, is he gonna go out and check it out? So. We got a great weekend ahead. We're going to start off the week with with Nelson uh, and some other guests. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, we yeah. did say we were here until May 15th, and May 15th is coming and creeping up on us pretty fast. And we'll be just, here before you know. As we just ramped up this this lineup of special guests, you know, it's going to pass like that. It is, and then we're going to be looking for more. Yeah, I, uh, we've yeah. got a whole list. We got a list. We have some other. Exciting when, people. When we were up. talking the other day about reaching out to somebody, I kept scrolling through my phone. I'm going, Oh, we haven't asked them yet. Yeah, we have a lot of people. Um, Yoda is gone. Good. Oh, look, you guys, you notice a lot of things. Uh, you don't notice everything, though. I have to say, they don't notice, they notice a lot no, of things. But they, 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 they notice a lot. Yoda is gone. Yoda is back to, he's laying on the counter in his package waiting, waiting for, for Melissa, Melissa to, pick, pick, him to up. pick him up. In addition to, oh, I also wanted to mention, uh, anybody that so one thank you to those who bought uh raffle tickets from the Stanton USBC uh for the month of April. We drew a monthly calendar based on the evening number. Yes, uh, we sold a thousand tickets. So kudos to um Kathy Wichnovitz. I don't know if you're still watching. Kathy spearheads that project. And frozen. She uh, I don't see that. I see it on my feed. Well, I. I don't know. Okay, well, let's keep going. So, thank you to Kathy if you're still watching. Kudos to you. Great work. And uh, those prize checks have been mailed. I know I have a couple here to, to deliver. Uh, I think you have an envelope coming too. I think I have one for Lori and Nazareth. Check oh, that out. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, congratulations and thank you for supporting the Staten USBC's uh, efforts there. Uh, that goes a long way to, to help out. Uh, youth bowlers and, and the programs that we that we offer. So yeah, uh, Michelle might have to reset. Kevin says we're still going. So great. Well, let's keep going. And Aaron mentioned Norm Duke too. We've had Norm we had Duke Norm was Duke. already on our show. Uh, so go back to I don't know what episode number was, but he's excited. <laughs> Duke, yes, Aaron, go back. Look, Norm was with us and he was awesome. He, yes, he really. Uh, he mentions EJ. We could uh, EJ Tackett. That'd be another good uh, potential. That's a good get. Good get. He's yeah. a good get. He's a good get. Hey, uh, bef- before we go and, and, and head out, and Lori, yes, congratulations. Is it, you now have two envelopes on your desk with checks. Uh, I don't know how much money you won. You could have won $10. I'd still be excited to win something. <laughs> yeah. I-, I won $10 this month. So that- that's about it. Uh, don't forget, Rab's got talent. Send that talent in. Send, send your talent. Uh, s- submit your video by May 15th. It's, it's creeping right up. Uh, bulletrabs.com backslash talent. Very good. You got we it. want to showcase your talent. We know you have it. Cra- uh, make a video and shoot it off to us because uh, we want to be able to showcase and, sh- and share with the world. Best. With everybody. We want to share Worldwide. with everybody. Worldwide. 
your world. Yeah, we are. But this this show has been global, international, international. ratings bonanza. We haven't said that in a while, but it, it we haven't. Well, you know, a rating. Joe will be here, and we'll be able to use it again. Bonanza when Joe comes back. <laughs> we don't uh, want to step on their toes too much. I miss Joe Bruno. I just want we to miss that Joe out Bruno. There. Yes, uh, Joe Bruno. We know you watch at some point during the day. Uh, I gotta send you a message. We gotta get you. We gotta check in. He's been. I'm pretty sure he's been working. The last That's time, he the last work. time he was with us, he was working. He was in the truck. He was right. in the truck talking. Maybe with us. we can have him. Maybe we'll see. Maybe he can come in, pop in on Monday when Nelson Figueroa was here. He might. I'm sure he's got some very interesting questions for him. He does. I'm sure he does. Uh, oh man, baseball. I just can't believe this. No baseball. This is, there's nothing. It's Netflix. Pretty much it. Yeah, that's right. Money heist. I'm telling you, I go back to another, it. I did. I went. I watched uh, two episodes last night. I'm so mad because I saw that. Uh, I'm not mad. I'm excited. But they renewed it for part five. Uh, and this, the story continues from part four. So there's. A, I'm assuming we haven't gotten to the end of it yet. But I'm assuming based on that announcement that it's a, there's a nice cliffhanger. So that, that kind of uh, now I have to wait. And then, of course, it's going to come out when we don't have time to well, go that's back why I'm. TV. That's why I'm taking my time watching it. So what? You know, it's not like Ozark where I jammed it in, and now God only knows when that's going to be back. That's you didn't jelly watching that. <laughs> no. Oh God. Anyway, only a few of you might get that one, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, see, this we we told you we welcomed you inside the inner sanctum. This is what happens inside the office Sickness. Uh, at Rab's Country Lanes. Well. Uh, we talked a little bit about the, the league season ending and getting ready for a new season in September. Uh, so we're looking forward to hope opening in phase four, yep. which we certainly hope is about July 1st. Um, restaurants open up before with no bar seating and then kind of move move, move around from what we're seeing. So or maybe we'll talk a little bit with Pam about that tomorrow. Pam. I said Pam. Yes. Let's we'll yes. say Pam. <laughs> yeah, and so sadly, we are, we are starting to see some restaurants and businesses already say that they're not they're not they're coming not back. They're, they're they're not going to reopen. Um, so in some case, and in some cases, this is a uh, you know right sizing of the of the business community. Not and that's not always a good thing. But in some cases, not you right have, if you're on the wrong end of it. If you're on the wrong end of it. <laughs> but at the same time, we do have a lot of we do have a, the same yeah, too, which is yeah. a concern at some yeah. point. I, I think I'm more concerned with all the opens vacant stores that yeah. we already have here on the strip of Highland Boulevard. A lot, a lot. And what does that look We're like? Calling uh, the herd, as they say. Yeah, and Dennis, so Dennis Hacker says Chilling Ozark is yeah. his backyard. I mean, that, that's an awesome place. Oh, no. We wouldn't answer that question. That is a great question for Pamela. Yes, Kevin. Uh, I'm not sure I can get through that one. Just we'll like have, on the... Um, we'll have Kevin ask. Just like uh, on bingo night last week, we pee was one of our winners and I just couldn't control myself. We you, just, we you just, had a little giggle fit. And we had a giggle fit. Now that Frank brings it up, if you're not doing anything on Friday, which you probably aren't, uh, they have a great uh, online virtual bingo, which is great fun. And um, yeah, he's going to probably throw up a little thing there. I had there it, it is. There it is. And uh, yeah. Join us for virtual bingo. Have some fun. Support the Rotary and all the great work that they do. And, uh, yeah. I'm not paying you for that one. I don't I don't get paid for, for the any commercial. Commercial. 
or a free bingo card. Yeah. Oh, a free bingo card. You get a bingo card. You, <laughs> you get, get a bingo, bingo card. card. I kind of I felt like Oprah the other night when we were uh, giving away prizes. We upped the, the, the dollar amount, which I thought Christine was going to stab me. Uh, we because the grand prize was two fifty in the night. Oh, and you said why don't we just make it three hundred? My goal is that it's going to be over three hundred, and it's shaping up that it could be over three hundred. Well, I I would imagine bingo. you're going to have a lot of people this week. Yes, we're excited. So come and join us for virtual bingo. If yeah. you don't get enough of me at two p.m. to three twenty, three thirty, whatever time it is, uh, come back and get more at seven o'clock. Yeah, I'll be in minus Naz. But you'll have Chrissy, who, like I said, is much more fun than me. <laughs> You know, it's fu and it's funny. We got accused of drinking way too much. I, I might have said it myself. We didn't even. But I didn't. If Liz, I, if Liz wasn't here, and I'm pointing like you guys, like Liz is still sitting here. Uh, if Liz wasn't here, we would have never even opened the second bottle, and we wouldn't have finished the first one. We did not. Christine and I didn't. We did. We don't need like you and I. We don't need alcohol to be silly and have fun. Well, I certainly don't. I think that. I mean, there's clear. a difference between silly, giddy, and you know, falling on the putting your falling on the floor. Yeah, it's a couple different. Which you didn't do yesterday. So no, I didn't. I was proud of you. You did good. You were almost there, though. No, I wasn't. I just got <laughs> silly. I got silly, and then I was really tired. Then I just wanted to go home and take a nap, which I didn't do. I went home and drank more tequila. Well, there you go. I'm proud of you. Um, I have to go home and put it in my microwave now. So. so what's uh, so what's on the dinner table tonight? Uh, we're oh we're having a salad. Uh, some nice big salads because okay. we've kind of been eating a little bad, not bad, bad. just heavy with the meat. Yeah. So we're gonna have a couple of uh, Liz, wanna? We've got a couple of uh, I made a couple, I pre-made a couple of big salads, and um, okay. all right, yeah. So we're gonna chop up some chicken and throw it in there, and yeah, we're gonna go with salads. Right. You know, we've we've definitely we've been eating healthy, but the last like last last night we did fajitas and peppers and and I think that's the thing that's sitting with the me. heavy strike right, heavy. Then right. we had pasta a couple nights ago, so we're not you know we generally don't eat like that, so we're, I mean, we're going back on the. Uh, I think we have we now have I don't know what day we leftovers last week, but tonight we're doing a little. We're doing leftovers, and it winds up being a little pasta buffet because we had two nights of different pastas. So that's right, like, right. That's what, that's what happened to me the other night. But it's chickpea pasta. The other one we found, carb. Uh, Somebody in my house doesn't like the chickpea pasta. I love the chickpea pasta. You don't. Even, you can't even tell. Oh, I can. Chickpea. I can. It's gross. It is gross. It's deli It's creamy. It's like it tastes like homemade pasta. Our shop right order came today, and we got more of it. I was excited. Maybe maybe the wrong one. The penne you don't like? No, we, we it was a linguini. Linguini, okay. All right. It's I think I like it. We like it, so I'm not judging. You can you not like it. It's fine. You're picky. It's fine. I'm not picky. I just don't like it. <laughs> She's just right. That. She just when I make that, she just won't eat it. But uh, it, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so we've been a little heavy on the other kind of food, so we're gonna have some right. nice big salads tonight. Have at it. And the rooks are having duck. I, I want. I can't wait to see. They are having of duck. The duck. Make sure that skin is crispy. Oh, I have, that is, you know what I have, if there's a, there are a couple meals that I'm looking forward to. So the sushi place opened up yesterday. Know, I'm going to order sushi this week. The sushi. There's a place in, this, in, in Manhattan that we like to go to for, for Peking Duck specifically, Decoy. I would like to go there. I like We Peking have to go. It, there's, it's just a restaurant, it's Decoy. It's on uh, Hudson. 
uh, and Red Farm, and they're known for it's all organic and oh, fresh Oh, I did look that up. We were going to go. They do dumplings, and but they're known for their Peking. I'm telling you, it's one of the best Peking ducks you'll have. Uh, you have to do, order it in advance. They only make, I think, the number is like 39 or 49 or something like that. Right. That they have available each day. Oh. Um, I, I guess they take one. They had 40, but somebody takes one. And then they only have 39. Right, right. I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably more of an eight because the uh, Chinese like the eights. The eights are lucky. Right. So it could be, I, I don't know the number, but it's something like that. It's okay. not more than 50. Uh, and one available, you can get one or based on your reservation. How many you, people you have. Right. And they do this whole thing for it's a set price. The duck, couple of appetizers, rice, but the food. Really, I'm looking forward to going to have that. See, now you got me wanting duck, um, and a, a jam sandwich, a peanut butter and jam sandwich. <laughs> oh, anyway, well, that was fun. It was. Uh, so we're looking forward to the next few days. We gave you our lineup. So tune in tomorrow for. Food Thursday with Pamela Silvestri. Yeah. Some great guests after that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you then. We're here until further notice. UFN. 2 p.m. Like okay. and share. Continue to like and share our content. If you don't already like our page, like our page. Tell your friends. Tell your, yeah. <laughs> Tell your friends. Hold up signs outside your house. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and subscribe so you get that share. little notification. Uh, don't follow the page. Like the page. That looks like that's Rob the Exterminator. Uh, we see you, Rob. We'll have to let him in. Uh, he's not watching. He was watching before. <laughs> so, you know, as we keep it real here. We, uh, If we got any more real, I, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. That was awesome.